Hello and welcome to the Disciple Making Podcast, where we're all about helping Christians become disciple makers. Me, your host, Bradman. Last week we began speaking about a DDP, a description of a discipled person. Knowing and understanding your own DDP is critical if we're going to be disciple makers. We have to know what we're aiming at, we have to know when we've arrived, and we have to know when we can release disciples so that we can make room for more. And so last week I began to share my own DDP with you. This is something I've developed for myself, for my context, and it's something I would strongly encourage you to do for yourself and in your context. Last week we spoke about those activities that should define the life of a discipled person. This week we're going to pick up the other half of the coin, the character that defines a discipled person. This is such a critical part of a DDP. Too often, our world and our church try to divorce the things we do and the abilities we have to do them from the character of the person who does them. Too often, character gets downplayed, doesn't get focused on. Maybe because it's harder to define, it's more difficult to measure. But if we are going to make disciples who matter, character must be our most important priority. Far too often in the church recently have we seen strong leaders fall because of problems in their character. And those falls are heartbreaking, not just for the church at large, but especially for the people and the communities where they happen. Those of you who have been in leadership for any reasonable amount of time will have discovered firsthand the incredible damage that can be done by gifted people who do not have the character to partner their gifting. So without any further motivation, here are the seven character traits that I want to see in those that I disciple. Number one, scripturally saturated. The first character trait for a mature disciple for me is above all others to know the word. The Bible is God's living, breathing word to his children for all time. It is the way that God has chosen to preserve his revelation of himself and it contains all the guidance we need for life and godliness. Now, I know this is not new earth-shattering revelation. This is the one of the things, one of the few things that the church has been incredibly good at for many, many years is focusing on the word. It's been the blessing of the reformation. It forms the backbone to any good discipleship and it's, to be honest, the backbone of most of our churches. That if we are going to be forming disciple makers, we need to go beyond a light helping of the scripture. We need to go beyond a preach on Sunday. The scripture has got to saturate us. It has got to fill us heart, mind, and soul. It has got to be the filter through which we think. It's got to be the grid against which we make decisions. Listening to a sermon once a week is not going to cut it. Reading a devotional once a year is not going to cut it. The scripture has to begin to form a part of who we are and how we think. We have got to cultivate a love for the word of God as the fountain of truth. Because like Jesus said to us, he says, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. So that's character trait number one. Get saturated with scripture. Character trait number two is be spirit led and empowered. This is the second character trait I want to see in my disciples, is that they are both led and empowered by the Spirit. Now, I recognize these are reasonably charged charismatic terms, so let me take a moment to just unpack what I mean by that briefly, so that our more conservative brothers and sisters don't turn me off straight away. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus models this idea beautifully. 
we are told in Luke chapter 4 that Jesus returned from the Jordan full of the Holy Spirit and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. After his baptism, Jesus was anointed by the Spirit. He was full of the Spirit and then he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. In John chapter 14, Jesus clearly tells his disciples to rely on the Holy Spirit after he has left. He says to them, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom my Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. In Acts chapter 6, the apostles instruct the church to choose seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and wisdom. In Acts, Barnabas, Paul, and Peter are all described as being full of the Holy Spirit. This is the only way to live. It is the only way the Christian life is possible. In fact, in Acts chapter 19, Paul encounters some believers and he asks them, he says, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And when they say no, his first response is to pray for them that they would be filled with the Spirit. Because Paul knows that you cannot be a Christian. You cannot follow Jesus. You cannot live the life that God is calling you to if you are not full of the Spirit. Follow Jesus requires the infilling of the Spirit. To be a mature disciple means being both led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. It means we have to learn for ourselves how to trust in the Spirit for His power to be at work through us. It means we have to grow in our ability to distinguish between our own thoughts, the temptations of the enemy, and the whisperings of the Holy Spirit. And it means we need to develop these same skills and priorities in the lives of those that we're discipling. Because if we want our disciples to be mature, they need to be able to be led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Number three, a mature disciple is prayerfully dependent. Prayerfully dependent. Prayerful dependence is more than just prayer. Let's be very clear. Prayer is critical to the Christian life, absolutely. But prayerful dependence is more than just praying. It's a heart response to God. It's a heart that is fully at rest and at peace in who God is as our Lord and as our Father and who we are in relationship to Him. The disciple who is prayerfully dependent is confident in their privilege to come to God, to be heard by Him, and to trust Him to be at work whatever He chooses to do. They know that they can only achieve anything of eternal significance through a partnership with God, and they rest in their partnership with Him. Prayer to them is as much a reflex as phoning a friend, speaking to a mentor, seeking guidance. It's their first port of call to turn to God. They know who He is and they trust His power and His disposition towards them. Again, for me, this is beautifully modeled in Jesus. In John chapter 11, when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, we see an incredible example. Now, I, want to, I want you to just pause for a moment, right? Because this is a normal story for us. If you've been a Christian for a while, you know about Jesus and Lazarus. I want to just say, Jesus is about to do something seriously spectacular. This, this is not, you know, it's not a minor miracle. We're not just casually turning water into wine. You know, he, he's not just healing someone who can't walk. This is as big as it gets. You know, someone is dead. They've been dead for three days. They're not just lightly dead. Right? So this is, this is very, very real. This is how Jesus prays. 
I want you to notice this. Then Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they might believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. Thank you, Father, that you have heard me. Past tense. I know that you always hear me. Continuing tense. Jesus knew his Father. He was confident in his relationship with his Father. He knew when he prayed that the Father was always listening. He was never far off. He was never too busy. He was always listening. He knew how to live in reliance on his Father. That's prayerful dependence. And Jesus, as always, forms our goal. Okay, three down. Number four. Fourth characteristic character trait of a mature disciple is an established identity. And this flows out of the prayerful dependence that we have because part of being prayerfully dependent is knowing who we are before the Lord. Right? And that's exactly how Jesus saw himself and how he operated. But an established identity goes beyond just our prayer life. It's the foundation from which we serve God. You'll notice when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, the devil kept targeting his temptations at Jesus' identity. He starts, he says, if you are the son of God, turn these stones to bread. Look, I know you're hungry, so you can do it. If you want all authority and splendor, well, worship me. If you are the son of God, throw yourself from the top of this temple, God will catch you. And yet each time Jesus stands firm. He does not move. He does not give in. He knows who he is. He knows that God will sustain him through his fast. He knows that the Father will give him all authority after he has completed his mission and not before. He also knows that the Father will do everything according to his own will, that he cannot be manipulated. Having a clear picture of who we are in God's eyes is critical to being effective as a Christian. If we think too little of ourselves, then we never operate in boldness and faith, and God never gets the glory that he desires to receive from our lives. If we think too highly of ourselves, we become trapped in pride. We begin to do things on our own strength, and slowly we walk away from the Lord. Each of these are areas that our enemy, the devil, will seek to corrupt us and will seek to lead us in, depending on the slant of your personality to start with. Having an established identity helps us to stand our ground against our enemy, the devil. It keeps us grounded as flawed sinners, saved by an amazing God, filled with His Spirit, commissioned by His grace to build and establish His kingdom on this earth by His power. It's all about Him. And prevents us from becoming immobilized into inaction or foolish in our hubris. A mature disciple has an established identity. Number five, godly character. Our fifth character trait in my DDP is perhaps one that you might have expected to find right at the top. And because it, it's quite simply, it's a godly character. A mature disciple must have a godly character. The call to godliness is something that's consistent across the scriptures. From Jesus' Sermon on the Mount to Paul's requirements for eldership, a godly character should be a defining characteristic of every Christian, not just leaders, right? 
This is not just something that's reserved for those who are elders. Every Christian should have a godly character. Every Christian should follow Jesus' commands to be holy as I am holy. It's the exhortation of Paul to conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. All of us carry that command. Godly character is something that needs to be observed and developed over time. True character is proved in the crucible of hardship. It's revealed in response to the sin of others. It's seen in how we receive criticism, submit to authority, manage conflict. It is displayed in our conduct through trial and hardship. It's easy to live in a godly way when there's nothing on the line, when there's no cost to be paid or no pressure on the moment. But it's when these graces are taken away that the true measure of our character is shown. And so as we disciple others, we need to watch them over the long term to see how their character is developing. And like Jesus with his disciples, we need to gently correct and shape them over that time. So that more and more they will reflect the ethic of Jesus and his kingdom. None of us are perfect. None of us will ever be perfect. But those of us who are mature will have their characters developed over time to more consistently reflect the character of Jesus than that of our sinful natures. It's number five, a godly character. Number six, second last one. Sixth characteristic, character, character trait of a discipled person is spiritual self-sufficiency. Now this might sound strange to many of you listening, so let me take a moment to explain what I mean by this. I don't mean some kind of isolation from the church, the body of believers. Uh, As I spoke about last week, I believe that being a part of the local body of believers and contributing to that body is a critical part of what God calls each and every believer to do. What I mean by spiritually self-sufficient is that a mature disciple is not reliant on other believers in order to maintain their relationship with God. If you had to take away their small group, if you had to remove their ability to gather on a Sunday, if you had to disconnect them from the internet and any online content, they would still grow in their relationship with the Lord. God would still speak to him through his word. Their prayer life would still be vibrant. They would still live lives of obedience to God and the kingdom would still advance in the areas of influence in their lives. People who are spiritually self-sufficient are the people who have continued to grow spiritually as we've come through COVID. Even though they haven't been able to go to church, even though they haven't been able to see other people and to be encouraged by other believers in person, nonetheless, they've continued to grow because their relationship with God is the foundation and the pillar of their lives. A mature disciple knows how to sustain their relationship with God, but they still choose to be a part of community. The community is blessed because of them. They attend gatherings, not simply hoping to be blessed, but being expectant and available to bless others as God moves and leads them. That's number six. Mature disciple is spiritually self-sufficient. All right, final one. Number seven, a mature disciple is a worshiper. This is perhaps the simplest idea of all of them, and yet for me it's incredibly significant. A mature disciple is a worshiper. In other words, they're a person who passionately loves Jesus. And as they mature in their faith, they grow more and more in love with him. 
None of the character traits that we've spoken about count for anything if it doesn't come out of and flow through a heart that passionately loves Jesus. Jesus said this to the Ephesian church a mere couple of decades after it had begun. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and you have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and you have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. More than anything else, a mature disciple is someone who loves Jesus and grows more and more in love with him each day, week, month, and year. A mature disciple is a worshiper. So there you have it. These are my character traits for a mature disciple. You add them together with last week and you have my full DDP. This is something, as I said, that I've drawn up for myself. Here's a quick summary for those of you who might want it. All right, my DDP has practice and character. The seven practices are discipling someone else, actively seeking to lead someone to Jesus, others to Jesus, lived obedience to the Father, committed to the church, they demonstrate practical love for others in generosity, compassion, hospitality, etc. They freely offer their spiritual gifting to the body and they're accountable to particular people. In their character, they are spirit-led and empowered. They are prayerfully dependent. They are scripturally saturated. They are established in their identity. They have a godly character. In other words, they are temperate, humble, gentle, self-controlled, trustworthy, honest. They are spiritually self-sufficient and they are a worshipper. How do you measure up? How do I measure up? This is not a pass or fail question. Because I look at this target and I see those areas in my life that still need work. And that's what a DDP does for us. It gives us a rubric to see where we are and how well we're doing and how well our disciples are doing and where we need to do some more work. Do you have someone you can partner with so together you can help each other grow towards maturity? Will you take some time to develop a DDP for yourself? What are the things that you want to see in yourself? What are the things you want to see in those that you're discipling? Actually write them down and then begin to think about how you can go about achieving them. Because if you don't, they might just not happen. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you did and you want to hear more, consider subscribing to the podcast. We put our content weekly on a Friday morning or share a link with your friends and discuss it together with them. Till then, go and make disciple makers by the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit. Till next time, ciao for now. Bye-bye.